and more importantly, how they need to hear them and remember them. I've known Francesca Maxime for 30 years since we were freshman roommates in college. And I, am, I know, right? And I am so thrilled that she's here with me now. Francesca, welcome to TC After Dark. Hey, Tease, it's good to see you. It is so good to see you. I just, I can't even believe it. Um, let's start with you because I want to give everybody who doesn't know your background a bio from your resume. So this is from a bio from your website, from maximeclarity.com. Francesca Marguerite Maxime is a Haitian Dominican Italian American somatic experiencing practitioner, certified mindfulness meditation teacher, certified indigenous focusing oriented therapy for complex trauma well being guide, relational life therapy couples and life coach, and poet author in Brooklyn, New York. So when I tell you this woman is wise, and when I tell you she is accomplished, I am not kidding you. Let's start with you, please. We have difficult conversations ahead, but I want people to know who you are and what you do. So how do you get from like our little selves living in Pennypacker to I where know. you are now? What is that journey? God, I was in Fortune 500 companies for a few years doing sales and marketing. And uh, then I you know, started doing journalism in Boston. And so then I was a TV news anchor and a reporter for 20 years, almost doing you know, all kinds of international and local stories and everything from, you know, the Catholic Church abuse scandal to Occupy Wall Street to 9-11 to, you know, all the other things that are happening um, that still happen around the world. I was working for a Nigerian station that we were talking about Boko Haram all the time. So, you know, I, I did that for a while and I'd say, hmm, I don't know, around the time of the campaign in the election uh, with our, uh, you know, current uh, administration, I just sort of started to veer away from that and pull away from that. And I was doing a, some pieces for PBS NewsHour at the time. And I really wasn't liking sort of what was happening with even the coverage in there. And I just felt I need a, I need a break. I need to, I need to pull away. Uh, so I went on a lot of meditation retreats. I learned these somatic experiencing tools. I learned these mindfulness meditation tools. I learned how to unpack what 20 years of therapy, talk therapy, hadn't been able to uncork for me, which is I knew stuff about my family of origin that was, you know, problematic for me. I mean, I'm multi-ethnic, as you said, Haitian, Dominican, Italian, American, but I grew up with, you know, my white Italian mom, who's a doctor, as you know, the doctor's canon, um, you know, like I, I grew up with, you know, pretty much an experience that mm, looked pretty milk toast uh, in some ways from the outside looking in. Internally, there was, of course, a lot of like grappling with these different pieces of my identity that really showed up when we, when we showed up at Harvard. Um, I was invited to minority pre-freshman weekend, and I stayed for regular pre-freshman weekend but I was there for that right. whole week and like you wouldn't know right like and wow. so I don't even think I knew that then that's yeah, amazing I, but yeah. I'm like why do you even and and so then I was like wait I'm like multi-ethnic I don't even say I'm multi wait, did you but did you not think of yourself as that then in Nobody other words, has, like the, the first time I had to think about race, because race is a construct, we know it's false. It doesn't have any legitimacy. It's just, um, I mean, and, and if you don't, then you had to read Linnaeus and all Let's these. Learn. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's not even the thing. It's not genetic. It's all this false propagation. It's that's the fake news. Anyway, um, so it, it, when you, I've always said I was multi-ethnic and Haitian, Dominican, Italian, American. I put that in my essay. I wrote about that right. for my Harvard application essay. Proudly, right. About right. my identity, but somehow that read to them as, I don't know, 
too complex or because of, you know, if you learn the history of the United States, if you have one drop of African blood, of black blood, then you're black or you're, which again is in service to capitalism, racism and division and all these other kinds of things. But I didn't, my self-concept wasn't about that. My lived experience wasn't about that. And when I got to Harvard, people are like talking about things like that I had no I had no knowledge of, no information. I'm like, I don't know what a step show is. I don't know what, you know, like I don't, those aren't the foods I eat. That's not, and it's okay. Like I'm, I'm there with you, but it just wasn't that I'm familiar with it yet. Right. right. And so then I stayed for quote unquote regular, you know, pre-freshman weekend uh, where they're just all the, you know, white kids where I guess <laughs> maybe you were there. I don't know. And, and, you know, had a great time. And it was just like a week out of high school who needed it anyway, uh, where I spent in Cambridge. And I got to know that there was already sort of this division. Now, that being said, you need to have separate spaces for black indigenous people of color, for you know, different kinds of groups, Jewish people, you know, people of Asian descent, Korean descent, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? There, there needs to be that. I don't, that's not the issue. The issue was, is I kind of felt like I was uh, uh, like taken by surprise you know, yeah. by it because I hadn't really, address my self-concept in that way yet. And I felt like I was being othered and defined by categorizations and having to check off boxes that I didn't have to examine before, which then I had to examine. And as an on-air person for the last 20 years, visually, you know, I mean, please, you're no stranger to knowing how many women of color have been like, you know, yanked off the air because their hair wasn't right and how many people did you know not get promoted and not get jobs because they couldn't wear their natural hair or whatever so you know there's a lot of ways in which white body supremacy perpetuates uh you know oppression uh in all kinds of different ways and so it's all been a learning for me this whole process also i was not woke or waking just because i'm multi-ethnic i just was dealing with the intersectionality of being frankly, in my case, often fetishized around gender and being, quote unquote, the spicy Latina type of person, as opposed to being like, you know, this multi-ethnic embodied person, which, you know, we all have, whatever, we all want to be seen for just who we really are. And did that, do you think that brought you to where you are now? Like, what is a somatic, what is somatic experiencing practitioner? When you say somatic therapy, what does somatic mean? So uh, a lot of what I've done is understand the nervous system, how it works in neuroscience and neurophysiology. You were what, a biology major? I was, never yeah. used a drop of it, but come well, on, I'll try. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying like, I'm not like at all about that. But so, um, but what I've learned is, is that we have a nervous system. All mammals have a nervous system. So we come out of this, like, you know, I always think of like a platypus. We always, you know, we come out of the water and onto the land and, you know, we, this is, and homo sapiens sapiens, we're the ones who are aware that we're aware. So we have a neocortex or prefrontal cortex. We also have this limbic system midbrain, and we also have the amygdala fight, flight, freeze, fix, fornicate, fawn, whatever response, the, the fear response. And that the first trigger is the survival, the fight, flight, freeze, basically for shorthand response. And that the limbic brain is where everything kind of gets stored about meaning in terms of whatever gets fused on our conditioning based on however we're growing up. So for example, if I knew that I, when I would speak up in my family of origin, I would get slapped, I may not speak up. And then I grow up to learn that speaking up is not bad. I live this way. And people think that I don't have self-confidence or I don't get promoted or whatever, but it's because I learned an adaptive strategy when I was a kid 
that then I continue to lose long after because I'm not able to jump in with my prefrontal cortex and my neocortex to say, oh, you needed that then, but not now. And that the nervous system piece, the somatic experiencing practitioner piece, is about understanding what happens to me when I'm being called on the carpet, for example, to speak up, and I'm not. And I may notice I have a sinking in my belly. I may notice that there's some kind of like gray cloud I feel looming over me. I may want to kind of pull back and slink away and disappear and evaporate or dissociate. And the somatic experiencing is checking in with your actual body sensations and starting to get to learn what's happening with your nervous system and not the story you tell yourself about yourself to find out what's underneath it. Ah, this is a trigger, this situation that's happening here now, 2020, whatever. Oh, this is a trigger for when I used to get hit when I would speak up before. Ah, that's why I wanna disappear. Ah, notice what that feels like in my body. Oh, let's sit and breathe a little bit with this. Let's check this out, let's see what's here. Is what I'm believing and connecting with this still real and true today? Can I do what mammals do, which is orient to my present environment and say, actually, I'm in a boardroom right now. Nobody's going to hit me. There's no like huge repercussions around like, you know, I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. 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 And like, how much of this can I enter into one molecule of, you know, stepping into this place of I'm actually here. I'm grounded, feeling my feet on the floor feeling my seat in the chair. It's a somatic awareness so that you let your nervous system know because your nervous system is programmed. It's like the computer that you get when you buy it at the store comes with pre-installed hardware. Sometimes after a while you get to update the hardware. I mean, uh, update the software, you know, and and that's what we're trying to do because it's going to run the same program unless you download something new and you can't download something new unless you know that you need to do that because the other one is outdated. And most people assume that what they're inheriting in that habit patterning, that conditioning, is something that defines their personality as who they are, but it's not. And so if you think it's who you are, then you're stuck, meaning that you won't go there and get curious about it and bring your, pre- your neocortex online to try to explore and be the homo sapiens, sapiens, the one who's aware, who's aware, then you can dig in, then you can start doing stuff. But none of that's usually possible unless somebody believes in their own basic goodness, like there's nothing wrong with me. Like I'm, you know, spirit embodied, like I'm just sort of this human that's on this planet, on this journey, and I'm fine or whatever, because we're born with original sin. It's drilled down in this Judeo-Christian, you know, world. Like you're terrible. My mom grew up as a Catholic with like a black mark on her soul and your world was about doing for others. And, you know, and then I'm like, well, that's not, that doesn't sound right. So my mentor, Jack Hornfield, who's a big meditation teacher people may know, and also um, a you know, clinical psychologist says, you know, the circle of compassion begins with you. So you start with your basic goodness. You start to understand your conditioning, your programming from your family of origin. And in this case, in terms of being anti-racist, structurally, societally, and whatever. And then you start to bring into, ah, I'm aware that I have these reactions. And then my limbic brain, my, mid- my midbrain, I have all these stories that go along with it because it reminds me of what happened when I was a kid. And now I can check in with my body sensations to ground myself and realize and reorient, hey, it's 2020, it's not 1975, and I can be different. I am someone who has a capacity and resources that I didn't used to have. I'm not in this alone. Well, and that's what, when I see what you've been saying online about learning to be anti-racist, about um, making that step as an individual first, that really, really spoke to me. Uh, because I think, I think there, there are a lot of sort of well-meaning, as I would have said, white people. You have taught me to say white-bodied people, which I like. Um, but there are, there, there are so many people that are like, wait, but I'm nice. 
I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not racist, but I think you need to do that work to look inside and work to be, um, what is the term uh, Emma taught me, a passive empathy, that I have a passive empathy. I'm nice. I'm not actively racist, but I need to work to be actively anti-racist. And mm-hmm. there's a big difference. We all do. And you have, yeah, but you have this incredible program called AREA, Anti-Racism Response Ability Embodiment Accountability and Action Group. And you invite people like me, you invite white-bodied people to say, I don't get it, help. And that's sort of unusual right now because I think a lot of people are just really afraid of saying the wrong thing. And Uh, you've opened up yourself to say, ask. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of amazing. What what kind of things do you get? What what do you get from people when you open it up for for questions? Mm, Oh, I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so helpless. I feel so guilty. I feel frozen. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. Um, I think someone said, I'm, I feel unba- this is unbearable, you know, and I'm like, how do okay. you see, how do you see people changing? Well, when they realize that it, what it, that it's a sensation, I'm like, don't believe all the hype about whatever your critical inner voice is telling you about you. You're fine. I already told you you're grounded in basic goodness and you have heavily, you know, conditioned minds and actions and habit patterns, which if left unchecked and, you know, we don't have uh, an awareness of, can play out in what my friend says, benevolent racism, or as your daughter says, passive empathy. Passive empathy. And that's what, you know, they call white silence, you know, or whatever. And so we just retreat and we, you know, feel like, you know, which is so funny because somebody calls it white racial fragility, uh, you know, as opposed to like white fragility, because white fragility is, you know, the, the term yes, we've all heard. But it's like white racial fragility. You're fierce in every other way, but about this, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Right. And so people, um, so the way that changes can be made is I always say, let's, all right, let's check in. Just kind of what I was experiencing, you know, explaining about the somatic experiencing. Let's check in with what's going on inside. What is going on inside? Let's slow down. When you think of watching that nine-minute video of George Floyd, when you think of sitting at home being an EMT, and you know, when you think, what if Emma's an EMT and she's in her living room and cops come in without permission and shoot her twenty times and kill her, like Breonna Taylor? I mean, what do you what when you think of that? What happens inside your body? Notice what the sensations are. Start naming them. Is it a fieriness? Is it a tightness? Is it a sinking? And yeah, those tears. Yeah, and right, and that's okay. Can we allow ourselves to be heartbroken? This is the work. There's, we have in this culture, this comfort culture where we don't honor grief, we don't honor sadness, we don't honor our own experience because we think we always have to be fancy and out there and on point because that's how white body supremacy works and hurts white people, right? That's why all these neuroses come up. Why do you think, you know, more white people are dying because of opioid addiction, alcohol, and, uh, and suicide? You know, we're the only like advanced society where like the dominant population basically is dying more than it used to because nobody's happy in this system. But people get killed the way I just described when they're in black and brown bodies because of systems of oppression, like, you know, the police, you know, the policing, the school to prison pipeline and all the things that, that create um, an othering, that create that peace. So for white bodied folks in the area group, for example, when they're sensing into that, notice that, what is it like to be with the sadness? What is it like to be with the part of you? How old is it feeling in there? 
how, you know, what is this familiar? Like, is there anything familiar about that? Does this remind you of anything? Yeah, like when I was, you know, helpless or when I was whatever, it makes me feel like I, I don't know what to do or I, you know, I want to go in and fix it or I wanted to, to, to take it back or, you know, and you start to just be more compassionate to your own actual experience and name it. And then, ah, feel my feet on the floor, feel my seat in the chair. Let me look around. Okay, great. This feels unbearable. How unbearable is it right now? I'm in my living room. I'm okay. Is it okay that I can be with my grief? Can I be with my sadness? Because this whole piece, mindfulness, people, I think, got it wrong. Mindfulness isn't about this Zen state. It's about being able to relate to our experience in a different way. And that is based on having a certain distance from this awareness, like I started with our prefrontal cortex or neocortex, with our emotions and sensations and stories. So can I be aware of the fact that I'm having an experience where there's some emotion arising, some sadness, some grief, some empathy, some compassion, some despair maybe, right? That I feel like this is wrong and somehow maybe I'm part of this system, but I didn't know I was or what to do. And can we just be with that and make space for that rather than have to solve it right away? And when you, after working with the individual, then action steps should be taken, right? I mean, that's the next thing. I mean, do you talk about or think about or have you given Not, advice on, on individuals or corporations or businesses? I mean, so many people are coming out with different statements or uh, different mantras. <laughs> is that what you think? Is that, I mean, I, I mean, I, mean, is I that, think, yeah. well, because you're not embodied. When it comes from the inside out, it's easy. You will naturally do the right thing. You will naturally listen. You'll have humility. You'll give your money to the people who are already saying, you know, the right things and doing the right work, especially like listen to black trans women, you know, like, like don't try to come up with this thing. Don't start some foundation. That's help. That's not helpful. That's white savior complex, all that kind of stuff. We don't not pity and tears. We want you to work with the parts of you that feel triggered, the younger parts, the parts of you that feel like they're stuck, that get frozen, that feel overwhelmed. It's inner child work for white people. It's that piece of then like making friends with all our different parts inside of us first and then feeling you can cultivate an ability to tolerate the discomfort around holding and being with, not holding like holding on to, but recognizing and allowing and creating space for, wow, there's this experience of sadness I'm having now. And mindfulness teachings, Buddhist teachings, ancient wisdom teachings teach us that nothing is permanent, personal, or perfect. It's not about you. White lenses are myopic and small and narrow. Collectivist lenses are people of culture, the global majority. So we're held not only by one another, but by the whole earth. And we're not just in this by ourselves, but it feels very heavy to white people when they're trying to lean into this work because they think that they have to do the thing. What they can do is give your money to Black Lives Matter, give your money to the bail fund, give up your seat on the board like Alex Ohanian did on Reddit so that you know he's the guy who's the tech founder and entrepreneur who happens to be married to, as he says, the goat, Serena Williams, the greatest <laughs> of all time, you know, like the tennis player, yes, you know, friend in my head and like the person that I am when I am fierce on the court. I think, with my I think you might be best friends. You well, might be best friends. In my I'm head, just saying. In my head. In my head. <laughs> in my head, you know, but like he gave up his seat on the board of Reddit because he wants to make sure that there's um, a black man or woman or person of color in there. Like these are the kinds of things that we have to do because it's been said that for white folks, equality feels like oppression. 
when you're giving up something that you shouldn't have had in the first place or you only inherited because of a structure of oppression that made that happen. It's a lot of like mansplaining. Like guys can say all this bullshit and it's garbage. And then like, they'll be in the boardroom. You've been there, you know, you've had to like, you know, bite your tongue when people are just like, but you know, they respect you because they know you're smart and all of that. But it's like, they're, what do they call it? Their uh, mediocrity, you know what I mean? Like is, is like, yeah. you know, they fall up, you know? And, and, and it's the same thing structurally that we need to like step away from. So those are some of the things white people can do and listen and be humble and listen to your black friends and just listen to understand. Don't listen to try to fix or do. Your action step is non-doing, but empathetic attunement and presence and your ability to regulate your own emotions and your own nervous system when you feel like you're checking out or dissociating. And that's a practice. I feel um, that people who have access to people like you. So people that have access to people who are thoughtful and can talk them through it. I feel very lucky to be able to call you and say, you know, Francesca, will you, will you come on? Will you talk this out? I, I feel like there might be a chance. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, like we could get there. What about so many people in the country that just will not, will not ever do that? Do you think that well, we can affect change enough that the, that the systems will make them change. Do you know well, what, does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of like well-intentioned folks that, um, well, from, from my friend Lamarado and says, you know, not everybody's gonna be saved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not everybody's yeah. gonna get woke. And I say, don't try to get woke, it's waking, we're waking, we're in this process. Process. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. all, we're our process. I mean, we're dying from the day we're born anyway. You know what I'm saying? So like, get used to dying, meaning like white people have this fear of death, but you know, like meaning that, you know, we're so attached to everything, big deal. You know what I mean? And, and that's why it's like, who cares? I mean, I care about life. Black lives matter. Yeah, of course, because dignity matters, integrity matters, being able to have respect for everyone. But when you've been living in a country founded on black bodies being three fifths of a person, not having homes now because they were denied equity, denied loans, denied, you know, the financial, uh, you know, wealth that was afforded to white people just because of this construct, because of, uh, you know, redlining and, 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 and gerrymandering and all these kinds of different things in these policies, then, you know, you have to kind of check and see. So to your point, A, not everybody's going to be saved. B, for the people who are well-intentioned, who have access to either me or listen to a podcast or anything, read your books, learn the real American history, find out how this country is founded. No school teaches this. I mean, maybe a couple, but really no. There are tons of classes out there that you can take. You can read Ibram Kendi, you can read Dr. Joy DeGruy, you can read Leila Saad, you can take classes from whiteawake.org, you can go to the People's Institute, you can go to the Racial Equity Institute, you can go to my webpage, maximaclarity.com slash resources, and there are a gazillion organizations there if you wanna do the anti-racist work, a gazillion. And you can call me if you want to, but there's a million people. I'm not the expert, I'm just somebody who was in the dark, even though I was multi-ethnic, who started the process of waking up and knows how to regulate my nervous system enough and knows how to work with the stories I tell myself enough to be able to not feel like I'm going to get stuck in the quicksand. It's like how I started that you, you have, you can put into words what others need to hear and in a way that they remember. You've always been like that, Fran. I mean, you literally have always been like that since we were in our late teens and first met. You just have a way about you. And I think you, your voice, which was 
you know, maybe uh, you're an English major, right? Are we mm -hmm. talking about majors? Right. So, so your voice, which was words on a page and it was poetry, I think has really now found a, a very, very incredible place. I really do. And I'm very, very grateful for your time. I also want to mention your own podcast, which is called Rerooted. Yeah. Rerooted. Yeah. yeah. So go find, go find Francesca there. One other quote that I heard from you online, which I just thought was great, is that we need to undo racism from the inside out. And that is, seems like what you are all about. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I really want to call people in, right? Like magnetize yes, and I mobilize. That's my philosophy. Magnetize and mobilize. I want to be the magnet for this work. Like I'm not going to bite your head off. Like no. I was there too. I was one of the ones who said all lives matter. I was that person. I didn't get it. I get why you think that. And it's, you know, I, I get why that isn't like an okay thing to say, but while it's also kind of still true on the other hand, but why black lives matter. <laughs> and, you know, and I didn't always have that. You know what I mean? I, so I said something the other day on air that, um, that it's like if you're holding a cancer fundraiser and so it's all about um, curing a certain kind of cancer and someone runs through and is like, people die of heart disease too. And everyone's like, that is not the point. Like, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's, yeah, it's learning. I'm like, this isn't the trauma Olympics. The point is, and I just want to leave with this thought because I know Please. we're at time. We are talking about structural systems of oppression. When we were in college, I remember I was at the time when I knew about Rosie's Place Homelessness, a woman named Kip Tiernan. She worked with Poor People's United Fund and all of the, the, the women in Boston that my mom helped also. And the point was, qui bono, who benefits, and who gets to set the terms of the debate? Who is the person who, who gets to frame the questions that we're asking. And along those lines, these are structural issues that live in our bodies and have for centuries. And so what I'm getting at is, is these are not things that you are going to be able to just fix or solve, to your point about action items, in one fell swoop. However, collectively, when we come to more awareness and insight about it internally, and we can undo all of the shame and things like that, that we feel about that, knowing again, we're grounded in basic goodness. From that place, we can come forward and you'll naturally start to see more clearly, which is really the gift of what I think is enlightenment that everybody wants anyway. Francesca Maxime, magnetize and what is it? Mobilize. Yes. Magnetize. You have always been a magnet to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're the best. All right, Tease. Take care. Truly. You're the best. Love you. Mwah. Love you too. Bye. Bye.